For a long time, anyone moving to Tokyo for a short-term period, say two to three months, always had trouble finding rental accommodations. Short-term is defined by the rental market in Japan as anything less than two years. At the same time, there's always been foreign workers coming and going across all walks of industry. Mechanical and computer engineers coming to the city to work for three months, doctors coming over for six months to work in one of Tokyo's universities, students looking to learn Japanese whose parents are willing to pay for housing, but in all these cases, it was traditionally very difficult to find suitable accommodation. The way leasing is set up in Japan is that tenant laws are very much on the tenant side when trying to evict tenants. Therefore, landlords wish for longevity with renters who have co-signers. Traditionally, short-term stay tenants weren't able to provide co-signers nor pay the six to eight months usually required in upfront various fees in order to secure an apartment for such a short stay. Landlords, on the other hand, aren't willing to furnish units for short stays either. Normally, rental apartments in Japan lack simple appliances like refrigerators, washing machines, and sometimes air conditioners too. And this is where the investment opportunity lies. Whole building property investment in central Tokyo. Gearing a whole building investment purchase to allow short-term stays will help satisfy the most lucrative adventures, targeting a high-demand but underserved segment of the tourist market, which is the short-stay tenant. I say tourists, but in this context the term requires further definition. Imagine Google brings over some engineers from California to stay in Tokyo for three months. These workers are still being paid in the States and thus have no tax presence here in Japan, so therefore they come to Japan technically on tourist visas. Hence, these tourists are lumped in together with the total reported inbound tourism numbers, so the reports that you can find that tout Japan's dramatic rise in tourism directly applies to the amount of tenants that need accommodation on a short-term basis. What does short-term mean? In Japan, if a lease is longer than 30 days, then it is considered a normal lease and thus does not require the owner of the property to comply with health department regulated hotel rules. So, when we say short-term, we are not referring to the Airbnb style of tenant looking to stay for a couple of nights or a week, but tenants looking to stay at least 30 days. To give an idea of the size of the tenant market for Tokyo alone, in 2017, for example, the total amount of inbound tourists was reported to be 28,690,609. The federal government does a great job of tracking tourist activity and publicly available data can give you insights such as length of stay and port of entry. So looking at the total amount of tourists that, according to government data, stayed in Japan 28 days to one year in 2017 and used Narita or Haneda airports as entry points to the country, then the government reports that the number is 740,611 or 5.11% of the total inbound number nationwide who can qualify to stay for short-term letting in the Tokyo area. In other words, every single one of the 740,611 quote-unquote tourists represents the size of the short-term stay tenant market. Each one of those applicable tourists need a place to stay. They just can't live on the street. There are short-stay incumbents in the marketplace that are working tirelessly to increase their own inventory. However, the demand is now so great that not one operator alone will be able to establish enough dominance to crowd out other upstart operators targeting short-term state tenants. Case in point, in January of 2017, Housing Japan kicked off our monthly furnished apartment property management scheme 
offering owners the ability to take advantage of the rent bump that comes along with renting to short-term stay tenants with flexible contracts. The idea was to fully furnish the apartment to the point where all a tenant needs to do is unpack their suitcases and their home. By bundling the utilities and internet included in the rent, the theory was that property managers were able to provide tenants with simple solutions and simple contracts with simple fees. As we had just started, the only thing we had to go on that this was going to work was the tourist analysis theory I'd outlined earlier, that according to government data, 5.11% of the total inbound tourism number was the entire size of the tenant market in central Tokyo, and in that, there was this unmet and ignored demand for properties targeting this type of tenant. How did we know that existing inventory didn't match rising demand? The easiest way to do this was to use AirDNA a company separate from Airbnb that provides analytics to prospective hosts about their Airbnb in their area. What were comparable properties renting out for on a daily basis? What was the average occupancy in that area? What has been the historical trends in the area? And so on and so forth. AirDNA takes their data via an API from Airbnb and offers detailed reports to owners or hosts for a one-time fee per report. In early 2017, the AirDNA data showed there to be over 16,000 entire homes on offer in Tokyo. We then made up a scenario where magically each of these 16,000 units went from targeting the daily stay market to targeting the minimum one-month stay crowd, and we also assumed that these units had 100% occupancy throughout the year, with tenants switching every month. In other words, we assumed that each unit had 12 tenants per year, thus soaking up as much of the existing tenant market as possible. In this fictional scenario, the numbers showed that even the existing Airbnb inventory switching to targeting one minimum one-month stays would only absorb 40% of the existing theoretical demand. In reality, however, this was not the case. Airbnb hosts were almost exclusively targeting the daily stay market, so in reality, current short-stay inventory was only able to satisfy somewhere in the vicinity of 10% of demand at the time. Fast forward to today, where we have a sustained occupancy record of 91% across 50-plus furnished units, with another 60 more units newly released, and we are still receiving inquiries on a daily basis. Our theory was correct. The tenant market is there and is willing to pay the rents we were asking. While our growth in this sector is aggressive, we are nowhere close to maxing out the tenant market. With rising total inbound tourists rising year on year, there is clearly much more room for aggressive growth. This is where the opportunity lies, especially since June 15, 2018. On June 15th, Airbnb delisted any listing in Japan that didn't have a registration number, thus cutting all daily stay hosts off from their source of income. How does one go about getting a registration number? You have to go to the city office where your Airbnb is located and submit a lot of documentation about the property. If the city decides your unit is acceptable to host daily stay tenants, then you are issued a registration number. Sounds simple, right? It isn't, and it isn't by design, some skeptics muse. The reality is that, while the federal government is deregulating the strict hotel laws to allow the average homeowner to rent out their spare units for daily stays, the prefectural and municipal governments within each area are allowed to add further restrictions to the Abe government's 180-day stay maximum limit. 
For example, Tokyo's Chuo and Megado wards are only allowing daily stays on weekends only to registration number holders. Shibuya Ward in Tokyo is only allowing daily stays on weekends and national holidays, citing that the ward doesn't want children to have to wade through tourists on their way to school. The city of Kyoto, which was already strictly regulated, takes this a different direction by only allowing daily stays to operate in the months of January and February. These two months are traditionally the slow season for tourists visiting the city overall, which decreases the appeal of the venture altogether. To get around this, then, the short term stay tenant targeting comes with a minimum stay of 30 days. Why? Because the 30 day stay is the line separating from when a building needs a hotel license versus not needing one. If your tenant stays 30 days or longer, then this is defined as a regular lease contract. So, all good, right? Not quite. There is another element to the tourist targeting that even the federal government didn't expect. Condominiums are governed by homeowners associations, or otherwise known as body corporates. Body corporates all across Japan wanted nothing to do with daily, weekly, or monthly stays, and almost unanimously across the country, body corporates were swiftly implementing language in their charters that forbid individual owners from letting out for anything less than a two year lease. Regardless of any deregulation the government wishes to do at any level, If the body corporate says no daily stays or any other non traditional lease, then it is considered private property and owners must abide as such. Indeed, throughout 2017 and into 2018, several body corporates have successfully sued individual owners within their ranks who have flouted the laws and regulations continuing to lease out their units on Airbnb. The courts have sided without exception with the plaintiffs in each case, and penalty sums of between 500,000 yen to 1 million yen have been levied on defendants. This actually threw a wrench into our expansion plans for the monthly stay property management program. By this time, we had narrowed down the best property profile that works with this scheme one bedroom units, 55 square meters and under. In the central Tokyo area, these types of units advertise for between 40 million to 70 million yen at the time of this recording. However, pricing depends on age and exact location, and, but it isn't hard to finance properties like these. So it made sense that we would introduce condos to our buyers. That is, until the body corporate started changing their language, outlawing monthly stays in addition to daily stays. Whether this rule is fair or sustainable or enforceable is really beside the point. The point is that suddenly the condos were taken out of the game altogether as a viable investment targeting this type of tenant. We could not, in good conscience, explain to our buyers that while the body corporate charter says one thing, we are advising a purchase based on saying the opposite. So, this left whole buildings. If you own the whole building, and by extension, if you own your own home, then you are the body corporate, and if you are happy with letting to short term stay tenants with furnished units and flexible contracts, then that is your prerogative. However, you would be forgiven for thinking that freestanding homes would qualify as well. Freestanding homes can apply for a registration number, however, usually these types of properties are larger than 55 square meters. Larger sized homes under this scheme would make the rent too expensive to keep occupancy up enough to meet yield expectations. So, really, the only option for this scheme is whole building purchase. You are the body corporate and you decide how you wish to rent, and if you wish, you can try and apply to get a registration number in order to legally do daily stays. In this scenario, a registration number becomes very useful for a pretty important reason. 
Our experience operating strictly minimum one-month stay properties have shown an average stay of between two to four months, but gaps between reservations can last as long as three weeks. If your building had a registration number, then you would be able to fill those gaps between monthly stays with daily stays to the extent that the regulations allow in the area of the property. Basically, your rent generation strategy should only be decided by what the property can produce yield-wise on a monthly-only basis, but in the back of your mind, it's best to understand that daily stays can add icing on the cake, so to speak. So, whole buildings in central Tokyo, with as many units under 55 square meters as you can afford, is the asset you want for this type of investment. But specifically where in central Tokyo would be best? The answer is simple. Any location in Tokyo that can be found in a tourist guidebook. Almost all tenant reservations in this investment type are done sight unseen, meaning the tenants make the reservation without visiting the property first. Actually, the first time they see the unit is when they arrive to begin their stay. So, tenants in this situation tend not to be as picky about where they will stay as long as the unit and the building are nearby where they need to be for work or study and that the unit is clean. This means photos and advertising is paramount as the tenants will also base their choice on the presentation of the property. Does the photos have new looking furniture? Does the unit have enough natural light? Are there enough photos that show close-ups of the amenities and appliances in the unit to help the tenants make their decisions? While the tenants aren't as emotionally attached to a short-term lease like they are a two-year long-term unfurnished lease, there are still things that tenants need to see online prior to making their reservations. They need to see wide shots of the living space as well as close-ups of the appliances and amenities within the unit. To the uninitiated, it would seem that one would be able to take photos with a simple iPhone. After all, the technology built into the device should allow the average person to take great shots. This is true, but it isn't as simple as just pointing and shooting. There are many techniques a professional property photographer takes to ensure that what the user sees online most accurately represents how the property feels when standing inside. For example, the best angled shots are not taken at eye level, but more around the level of your navel. Since the prospective tenant will be viewing your property on a 2D surface, most likely in a digital medium, but perhaps print as well, lower angled shots more accurately reflect the reality of actually standing in the room. Another example is a post-processing technique used to merge two different photos taken with the camera in the same spot, but with two different focuses one on the interior and the other focused on what is outside of the windows. As it happens, all cameras strive for the same thing, to replicate exactly what your eye has evolved to do, to see everything around you and adjust automatically depending on light. At present, there is no camera that can record the light differential presented both inside and outside the windows in one shot. This is simple but huge, and actually you can tell the difference between an amateur property photographer and a professional by looking at the windows. Amateur photos have the interior clearly seen, but the windows are whitewashed out, which is the byproduct of the camera heightening its light sensitivity to focus on the interior. So what the pro property photographer does is take one photo with the camera focused on the interior light that illuminates everything inside of the unit, and then another photo in the exact same spot that focuses on seeing clearly what is outside the windows. In Photoshop After, the two photos can be merged together, providing an accurate representation on a 2D surface of both the interior and what is outside the windows, just like you would perceive when actually standing in the unit. 
I could go on endlessly about all the different tips a professional uses to not only make a property look good, but also strive to accurately represent on a 2D screen what it feels like to stand in the property. Again, your short-term stay tenants will book sight unseen, and you want to make sure your property imagery provides an accurate portrayal of not only the look, but the feel about your unit. There is no other realm of residential real estate where the quality of photography directly affects the bottom line than in short-term stay letting. You can have so-so photos in a for-sale or for-rent property and still be able to sell or lease the property for the sole reason that buyers and renters will visit the property prior to committing to a purchase or a lease. This is not so with short-stay tenants. That isn't to say all types of residential property transactions shouldn't strive to have the best photos possible. All I'm saying is that proper photography taken by a professional will almost completely decide whether you have a profitable short-term stay investment or not. The photos of your units are the backbone of your advertising which brings you the bookings which in turn brings you the revenue. This entire process needs to be planned and executed by professionals as one misstep along the way can cost time and money. If you've listened this far, then now is a good time to reiterate that Housing Japan has a full-fledged team of property managers dedicated specifically to operating short-term stay buildings post-purchase. For us, the deep granular understanding of even what furniture shows up best in photos advertised on our ever-evolving own media and select others will bring the best tenants to keep occupancy up, for example. In short, not only can our sales team find you the best property to purchase or land on which to build, once the purchase is finished, then our sales team will hand off the property to the best short-term stay marketers and property managers in the business. There is no other company in Tokyo that offers access to this type of investment to clients both large and small than Housing Japan. With the increasing demand, coupled with the short supply, targeting short-term stay tenants will be an alternative property investment category that will be around for a long time. However, prices in central Tokyo are continuing to rise, so if interested, best to get started sooner rather than later. For those who currently own a building in central Tokyo, contact our property management division to find out how to get started. The simplest scenario for owners is to take an existing empty unit within the building, furnish it and see how it goes, like a taste test. Should you be satisfied with the results of the one unit test case, then you can convert other long-term unfurnished units over to short-term as the units become available. This solution speaks to buyers looking to purchase a whole building as well. Rarely will one be able to find a second-hand building that is completely empty. The building was, after all, the previous owner's investment, and they will most likely have filled the building with long-term furnished tenants by the time you purchase it. That said, a buyer could purchase brand new buildings already built. However, in this case, you would be paying the developer for their time and effort on top of what it actually costs to purchase the land and build the building. So another way to get access to brand new whole buildings for short-term stay letting is to buy the land and build the structure yourself. While this seems like a daunting task, Housing Japan is again here to help. We have in-house project development professionals that are specialized in sourcing land for purpose-built investments. Working closely with our sales team to source the land, our project management team can then manage the design and construction of the asset with our property management team subsequently setting to work to make sure the building is fully occupied. There simply is no other company that can provide this complete A to Z service in English and Japanese with the track record Housing Japan has. Contact us today and see how easy it is to get this whole thing started.